Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome back to Get Your Goat. Josh here, and there's a lot to get into. I'm going to break down the Bills-Titans Monday night football game. Prediction I was right on the Titans winning. I will be recapping that. I'll be looking ahead to the Broncos and the Browns tomorrow in a Thursday night preview. Then after six weeks now of the NFL, I am going to give you my top five teams so far. I'm going to give you my MVP favorites, uh, people I enjoy watching so far on a weekly basis as well. And those MVP favorites to me also happen to be the best players in the NFL right now. Then last night, NBA upon us, opening night, Nets, Bucks, Warriors, Lakers. I'm going to bring uh, break that down. Also look ahead to some matchups tonight, some Ben Simmons drama, uh, and then some MLB as well. Uh, craziness yesterday in both games, Astros, Red Sox, and Brave Dodgers. And then I'm going to give my thoughts on the Seattle Kraken the first weekend to their season and evaluate them. All this on today's show. So let's get started with the Buffalo Bills, Tennessee Titans, Monday Night Football recap. What a great game that was. Monday, I said that Tennessee would win, said it would be close, but Derrick Henry would run all over this team. I said they were built to stop the pass, not the run. Was I right or was I right? Because I was pretty right. They, you know, they limited Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill only threw for 216 yards, uh, one interception, no passing touchdown for him at all. Uh, he had a rushing touchdown, but they could not stop it. And this game was the great back and forth between both teams. There were seven lead changes uh, total in the game on Monday night. Uh, another great Monday night game. To me, all the Monday night games so far have been uh, tremendous. Uh, this one was also great. We saw Derrick Henry put another stamp on his success, stamp on his season. He was the MVP of the night. Uh, he was the reason why the Titans won 20 carries, 143 yards, Three touchdowns, you know, it's 6-0 Buffalo. Not much going offensively for Tennessee. Uh, And Derrick Henry busts open a 76-yard touchdown run. I believe he almost reaches 22 miles per hour. It's like 21.8, something ridiculous. You know, people say he's not that fast. He's just so big. Uh, and that's true, but he's also very fast. It happened to be the fastest run so far by a ball carrier this season. That's Derrick Henry. He makes a cut, uh, spins out Micah Hyde, and it's off to the races. The cornerbacks can't catch him. Nobody can catch Derrick Henry. He is that good. And then you had the answer right back from Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. Uh, you know, then you had another Tennessee march down there, and then you had a blown coverage by Tennessee to make it 20 to 17 Buffalo at half. Mike Vrabel, very, very upset. Uh, Taylor Lawan also goes down left tackle 
for the Tennessee Titans. So they have to put a backup in, and that does not change anything for the Tennessee Titans. They are still able to run it in. Uh, Derrick Henry still rushes for two more touchdowns, a three-yard run uh, to make it 24-23, answered by Buffalo, then another touchdown run by Derrick Henry, which happened to be the capper. So he was sensational. Uh, you know, they scored 10 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. Bills couldn't score any in the fourth quarter. But because Derrick Henry scored with three minutes left, Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, had a chance to go down the field, either tie the game uh, to make it go into overtime, or win it. So they're driving. They have two big plays already in Tennessee territory at the two-minute warning. They're closing it on field range. They're still driving. They get down, and I believe it's like 20 seconds left, and it's a fourth and one. Uh, you know, initially, I thought that Josh Allen got the first down. Then by re, uh, replay, which was, to me, relatively quick for a play like that magnitude, it was deemed it with fourth and one, and I agree. You know, he was hit short. You know, he, he tried to hurdle up in the air. He was stopped short, so it's fourth and one. Do you kick the field goal? You're at like the Tennessee 10. It's a chip shot from there. You know, 27-yarder. Or do you go for the win and the dagger? They decide to go for it. Before this play happened, I'm not a fan. I wouldn't go for it in that situation. Uh, yes, they've moved the ball on you, but you've also been able uh, to move the ball on them as well. wasn't, you know an attrition of defensive uh, minds on Monday night. So I thought, you kick the field goal, you go into overtime, and you give your team a 50-50 shot to win. Uh, And then instead, you know, you go for it, anything can happen, and they try a QB sneak, and it blows up in their face. They don't get it, turnover on downs. Uh, You know, the right-end pressure from Tennessee Collapsed the line right away. Forced Josh Allen to slip. To me, he was kind of slipping even before that initial point of contact. And he was not able to pick up the first down. Cost him the game way short. Didn't get it. Tennessee just has to kneel out. Uh, So they lose the game. And again, another fourth down we're talking about. You know, on my previous podcast, you know, we're talking about this past Sunday game. Talking about the Browns going for it when they don't need to, uh, the Broncos, other teams as well. You know, you've had the 49ers go for it the week before. So teams are going for it to me on fourth down on sort of this unprecedented level, which does add excitement for the fans. I'm not going to take away from that. But there's sometimes where it's just head scratching, where it's like you kick the field goal, you get the points, you change the complexion of the game. Uh, I thought, you know, an aggressive call wouldn't have been that aggressive with the way my offense has been playing, already putting up 31 points. Why not take it to halftime? Because Josh Allen was spectacular, 353 yards, uh, three touchdowns, Emmanuel Sanders involved, Stephon Diggs, everybody was there. Uh, To me, they look like the better team offensively, uh, look like the better team, at least overall to me. However, they didn't have the best player, and sometimes the best player can bail you out that's on the field, even if they're just on one end of the field, and that was Derrick Henry. Uh, 
146 rushing yards in the game for Tennessee, that 82 for Buffalo. Another big point was, you know, the red zone conversions. Buffalo 2 for 5 in the red zone where Tennessee was a perfect uh, 3 for 3 as well. Other than that, you know, this was an evenly matched game uh, by, you know, Buffalo and them in terms of time of possession, the fumbles, the penalties, everything was evenly matched. Uh, Tennessee just happened to have uh, King Henry who would not be stopped. And, you know, we talked about Buffalo at, or Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen, this next revenge stop. And I said, hold on, this ain't going to happen. So to me, this was basically a repeat. Uh, Derrick Henry went off on Buffalo like he did last year. Last year had an infamous stiff arm on Josh Norman. Of course, there's no such stiff arm, but he did stiff arm somebody. He stiff armed a defensive lineman or linebacker. Uh, Jackson put him right down. Uh, to the ground. You just expect it uh, to happen. Derrick Henry is too good. He proved too much uh, for the Buffalo Bills. I'll talk about more about Derrick Henry in just a few minutes. But before I do that anymore, I'm going to move on to the Broncos and the Browns. But just one note, well actually one quick note before I move on, is this helps the Titans out immensely. Because we're looking at the records, Buffalo streaking at four and one. Tennessee's three and two had lost to the Jets, and they just look questionable. Uh, now you're both four and two. You change the complexion of the season. You now have a tiebreaker over Buffalo in case of any circumstances moving down the field. You know, but Chiefs are right there at three and three. You only have Baltimore as the only team at five and one. So everybody's really within a striking distance there. This was a huge one, boost of confidence. Uh, for Tennessee. And another play I want to make mention of is Julio Jones' catch. I I won't be able to forgive myself if I don't mention this catch. Uh, but the helmet catch that he had that looked like he was on a moss and it bounced off a defender's helmet, you know, 10, 15 yards up in the air. He's able to track that down and bring that in bounds. That is another huge play that the Tennessee Titans converge on. Uh, they just happen to make the bigger plays, the 76-yard run, you know, the 50-yard pass. It also happened to be pass interference on that catch. Uh, the Tennessee Titans made the bigger plays in that game as well. And now they're both sitting at 4-2. and two. So now looking ahead to the Broncos and the Browns. You know, first coming off this loss to the Cardinals, I thought Cleveland's bouncing back this week against Denver. Denver streaking reeling three straight losses you know Cleveland's just had two in a row but they're gonna get back I don't know anymore I'm picking Denver to win this game right now and I'm gonna outline for you why uh Miles Garrett to me is playing like defensive player of the year I believe he has eight sacks uh so far uh and he's playing phenomenal playing like, you know, one of the best edge rushers, defensive linemen in the game, which I think he is. I think his defense will be able to handle an inept Broncos offense. Uh, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, four turnovers last week, three interceptions and a fumble loss. Wasn't clean at all. Don't think this game will be clean. And I'm about to outline you the reasons why. Last week, Cleveland play, plays the Cardinals. They get blown out. There's no Nick Chubb. He's injured. He won't be playing next week. The second best running back in football this year, 
I believe in terms of just yards, but I also believe he's the second best, uh, you know, running back. You know, there is a quite a long distance between him and King Henry. There's a quite few, you know, Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb uh, are all in that two, three, four conversation, Zeke, you know, all close together. Uh, he's out. Last game as well, Kareem Hunt. You know, went down with a calf injury. He's got put on the IR. He's out now. Uh, so your two running backs. This is the best rushing duo and rushing team in football. Averaged 187 yards coming into the game against Arizona. Vegas slaughtered. Now they're down two running backs. Who's also on IR? Jarvis Landry. They're, you know, top wide receiver over years. I know they have OBJ. But Jarvis Landry's been the most reliable. He's on IR. That's one player. You have the best offensive line. Most of that's due to your two great tackles. They're both out. Jedrick Wills and the other one are out for the Cleveland Browns. You're going against Von Miller. Von Miller says he's going to kill you tomorrow night. That's what he said. I believe it. Von Miller's playing great this year. On an unexperienced tackle, he's going to do it. So... Have I convinced you yet? There are two starting running backs that, you know, lead, leading the league in rushing. Two starting offensive tackles, a left tackle, a right tackle, a starting wide receiver. Well, if that didn't do this for you, I'll drop this on you. Baker Mayfield won't be playing tomorrow either. His torn, non-injured shoulder, labrum, whatever it is. Uh, you know, we re-aggravated that again on Sunday against the Cardinals. Uh, tackled by J.J. Watt, you know, came back in for a little bit, but after a, a while gave it back to Case Keenum, said yesterday that he's a judge of this season, a play or not. Well, that was a quick 24 hours because he deemed himself that he's not going to play. He is out. You back up Case Keenum. You have your third uh, string running back in there. You got your two backup tackles. Uh, OBJ was a little dinged up as well. So you have this offense that is in shambles right now. And even if Baker Mayfield was playing, I'm going to drop this on you. Teddy Bridgewater versus Baker Mayfield this season. Teddy Bridgewater's been a better quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater has a better completion percentage at 70% to Baker's 67. Teddy Bridgewater's thrown for more yards, 1,514 to Baker's 1,474. Teddy's also thrown more touchdown passes, 10 to Baker's six, albeit throwing one more interception four to Baker's three. So to me, Teddy's looked like the better quarterback. To me, he has a reliable number one, which he likes, in Cortland Sutton. Baker has that too, and he has OBJ and Jarvis Landry, even though they don't prove to be number one reliable targets like him. So the Browns, Reeling right now, Baker's out. There's a possibility that they could shut him down for the season if he gets the shoulder uh, surgery. I think you'll see how he goes, you know, basically having, you know, a week off now, a bye week. We'll see how this goes, but I believe they'll lose this game. I believe, you know, this Thursday night game where we kind of maybe expect to Cleveland to bounce back. This is going to be a defensive game, low-scoring Winner of this game will probably be in 20 points. I'd say no more than 20. 
uh, you know, have an elite pass rusher in Miles Garrett, another elite pass rusher in Von Miller. Von Miller will have the edge because of the line. But the Cleveland Browns have serious issues, and it's sad because, you know, they've had a tough string of games. They're 3-3, three and three, but you look at their schedule, and the next, you know, five games are very winnable. You know, they play the Broncos if they were fully healthy, which would be a win. The Steelers, the Bengals, the Patriots, the Lions. So you're looking at 8-3 and three right there, and you're back on track. Everybody's back talking about you. Now you're injured. You could go down to 3-4. and four. Uh, Steelers have looked inconsistent, but if Baker's out, this could be a long, long season for the Browns. And then you get to thinking... All those people who say Baker's not the guy that can lead them uh, to the playoffs. He is not uh, someone who can uh, lead this team to a playoff run or anything like that. Well, remember, what were the Browns before Baker Mayfield? Again, they were losers. They were 1-31 in in two seasons. They had an 0-16 season. In a 1-15 season, they were terrible. You know, they lose two games prior to you coming in. Then you come back and storm them to a win. And you win some games. You win seven games with the Browns. When the last time the Browns won seven games before you? Uh, And then, you know, uh, you have these expectations. You don't do well. Then you come back. You take them to the playoffs. You win a game. Get to the divisional. Almost upset the Chiefs. With Baker Mayfield at quarterback. Now you look at them. Without, with, I look at them with Baker, they're with him the next five games. I look at them without Baker, they could lose the next five games. That's the difference your quarterback makes. I don't want people to tell me that Baker's not a good quarterback because he is. He's in the game. I believe he wins these games. If he's not, they're a struggling, struggling team. Now, are there better options at quarterback than Baker? Yes, okay. Tom Brady's a better option. Patrick Mahomes, uh, Justin Herbert, Matthew Stafford, Kyler Murray. I'll say all those guys. But I'm not going to say Case Keenum can do that. I'm not going to say Jared Goff uh, can do that or uh, Mac Jones or Ben Roethlisberger at this point. No, Baker's a legit quarterback in this league. It sucks because he hasn't got... His contract extension yet he's banking on this year to do good like he did last year and it could get uh, cut short because of his injury and you know the team's injury but tomorrow should be a close game I'm picking the, picking the Broncos just because of the Browns injuries that they have to me that's too much to overcome a quarterback uh, two offensive tackles two running backs a wide receiver that's just too much for me to divulge in so I'm picking the Broncos to win that game. Now with that, I'm going to give you my top five teams in the NFL right now. And I'm going to give you a preview of all these teams before I say them. They are all in the NFC. I believe all five of these teams are better than any team right now in the AFC. I really, really do. Number five, the Dallas Cowboys. Why? Why the Dallas Cowboys? Well, 
because they have been putting up a ton of points offensively. They have scored 205 points so far this season, more than any other team. That's how dangerous they are offensively. They are really, really good. They've got it clicking. You know, you look at their opening loss that was to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you say that's a good loss. That's a championship a team right there in Tampa Bay. That's ring night and the ceremony. That's Tom Brady and all those guys and Leonard Fournette, Chris uh, Godwin, Gronkowski. Every they just won the Super Bowl, and you're coming back into their territory where they won it. That's their toughest game of the season. So they lose that barely by a game-winning field goal at the end. So they were close to winning that game. Then what have they done since then? Well, they beat the Chargers, who are a 4-2 and two team, who are really good, who are one of the top teams in the AFC. Uh, they blew out the Eagles at home, scoring 41 points. They blew out the Panthers, who were 3-0 and oh up to that point. You know, scored 36 on them. You blow out the Giants, 44. And then a Patriots... You know, tough team who, to me, this Patriots team is another enigma because, you know, they'll play their hard outs and they'll play up to their level against the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. But then they'll play down to a team like the Dolphins who struggled or the Texans and, you know, barely eke out a win. And that's the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys have been playing great. Dak Prescott, to me, is playing like a fringe top five quarterback at the moment, Ezekiel Elliott is having a great bounce-back year. Trevon Diggs is entering that Xavier Howard conversation of, you know, this is just my one-year hit wonder of best cornerback, seven interceptions so far. You know, I won't say he's the best because he did get burned on a play uh, against the Patriots. Uh, he is biting, but, you know, he is a ball hawk, this team is much improved, much better than they are. And to me, this is the best Dak-led team so far. Number four, the Green Bay Packers, yet another 5-1 team in the NFC. They've been playing great as well. You know, another team that opened up with the loss, similar to the Cowboys. Uh, I'll bite this one was a bad loss, 38-3. Against the Packers now, you know, everybody was like, does Aaron Rodgers want to play? Is his heart in it? To me, this is like a reverse psychology is, look what happens when I'm not engaged in that first game, but count me out. Look what I do the following games. I blow out the Lions. I beat the 49ers on an insane game-winning drive with no timeouts and 30 seconds left. I beat the Big Ben. I beat the young gun, Joe Burrow. And then I own the Bears. Green Bay is playing great on this five-game winning streak. Devontae Adams has the most receiving yards in football. You know, this tandem that went off last year looks like it's in sync better than ever is, you know, six games into the season. Green Bay is playing really good. Number three, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yet another division leader, that's 5-1. and one. You have the Dallas Cowboys, NFC East, North, Green Bay. Now you have the South of Tampa Bay at number three. 
another team that is explosive offensively. They've scored the third most points in football. Uh, they are playing great rush defense. Again, the only knack I ever have on them is their attack against the pass. But they've been decimated by injuries back there. Uh, Carlton Davis has had his share of injuries. He's back now. But Sean Murphy bunting, uh, Jamel Dean, they signed Richard Sherman. Then he gets injured. But other than that, this offense is great. Tom Brady, I will get in more into him in just a second. Leading the league in passing yards so far. I believe he's the only one over 2,000. Uh, second in touchdowns, I believe he's at 16 or 17. Uh, one below Patrick Mahomes. He is playing uh, fantastic. Yeah, he's at 17. Uh, to three interceptions, he's playing good. This team is clicking. They have Gronk out. And it doesn't matter. You assert O.J. Howard in. You see that against the Eagles. They get him involved. Uh, this team just can't be stopped. But there was one team that did stop them. And that's who's number two. The Los Angeles Rams. Other than a blowout by the number one team who I will get into in just a second. Uh, they have handled all their competition with relative uh, ease. You know, they handled the Giants. Uh, the Seahawks, the Buccaneers, the Colts, the Bears. Uh, in doing so, they've been fun to watch. Matthew Stafford, to me so far, looks like an upgrade over Jared Goff. The decision-making is better. The pocket awareness and presence. Uh, the cut-down on turnovers, just the way uh, he plays the game. Looks like you know it's clicking more with this offense. or are taking more shots uh, down the field. Having fun doing it. Uh, Cooper Cup, you know, is turning into sort of an MVP, this tandem that was good. Jared Goff and Cooper Cup were just a good tandem. Through six games so far, but Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup have been a great tandem. To me, this is a Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers level tandem. I know it's six games. They haven't had, you know, the... Years of experience that those other two have had. But this Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford, is special. And I think it's here to stay. And of course, they boast two of the best defensive players in the game. Even though the defense not being great, they have two game changers who've still played great in their roles. That's Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. Take me to one now. I think it's the undisputed one. Uh, across everyone's boards. Kind of by default, too. They're 6-0, and so... Haven't lost a game. You deserve to be number one. That is the Arizona Cardinals. Again, six and zero. You know they're the fourth. Scored the fourth most points. Uh, they have the second best uh, score differential. Uh, they're both balanced offensively and defensively as well. Uh, they are. They can. You know, win games like we saw. You know, the first, you know, four weeks or so by their offense dropping, you know, 30 straight in every game, which I believe they've done. And even in this one where, you know, the offense, you know, didn't look too good to me. This wasn't their best game offensively. And they score uh, 37 points against the Browns or they eke out a defensive win against the 49ers, uh, 17 to 10. You know, J.J. Watt saying maybe we're just better than everyone else. So they've got confidence. They're buying in. We saw that they didn't even need a coach again. I'm not going to 
underrate Cliff Kingsbury, but I'm not going to praise on Cliff either. I just think he was an all-right coach. So they really don't need Cliff to coach either, and they're still winning football games. That, to me, shows the chemistry. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray on this defense, you know, with Chandler Jones for one game, but to me, since then has been the J.J. Watt show. He's been great in his role here in Arizona and having another uh, partner in crime on the line. So those are my top five teams right now in the NFL. Dallas Cowboys, Green Bay Packers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Los Angeles Rams, and the Arizona Cardinals. And of course, they're all in the NFC. Now through these uh, six weeks as well, I'm going to give you my MVP favorites. Number five, I'm going to give you top, I'm just going to give you five. Five, I'm going to put in there, Josh Allen. Been fantastic. Uh, had the rough first week, but he's discovered it since then. Uh, torching the league, even the Monday night game, which was a loss for them against the Titans. He still played phenomenal. He did. He was all over field making plays uh, with his legs, which you have to respect because to me he is such a good pocket passer that you don't expect it with the legs, but he's kind of deceptively fast as well. Fours Matthew Stafford. I predicted him to win the MVP before the season. Uh, I think he's right in that chase as well. He has also uh, played really Really good football. Again, the connection to Cooper Cup. You know, 16 touchdowns as well. Uh, Too short of a lead there to only four interceptions. Throwing for 1,800 yards. Man has been phenomenal. Uh, Just phenomenal. I believe he's completing 70% of his passes as well. Uh, I can tell this is the most confident that he's been in his arm. Again, he has so many weapons to throw to, but he is delivering on what they traded for. Number three, Kyler Murray. He's also been good. I, this so far has been a career year uh, for Kyler Murray. Playing fantastic football at the moment. Uh, his completion percentage, I believe, is leading the league uh, through six games. You know, thrown for 14 touchdowns. Uh, 1,700 yards. Again, he has a legit number one wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins, but the dual threat as well, the ability to torch you just how fast he is. We saw that against the Rams where you flush him out, 15-yard third down, and he'll run for the first down. Uh, That's how elusive and how quick Kyler Murray is. Number two, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry needs to get more love. Offensive player of the year last year. It's just we are now dismissing his greatness because we're used to it. Uh, he'll probably break the record for most rushing yards over a three-season period. Uh, rushing title multiple times. Uh, the way he plays to Derrick Henry carries this team. Where would the Tennessee Titans be with just you know a regular running back such as a Zeke or uh, Nick Chubb, they would not be in the spot that they are in. They don't have the best offensive line, but they have the best tackler in, or the best uh, break tackler uh, running back in Derrick Henry. You know, he's at almost 
800 uh, rushing yards. He has more rushing yards than everyone has receiving yards. So he has more yards than uh, Devontae Adams, who's leading in that category. He's got more yards than that. And another surprising stat, I think he's at 783 yards. His yards after contact is over 500, which is more of him the second best running back in football has in terms of total yards. So I think Nick Chubb is 523 yards. Derrick Henry's yards after contact are 583. Then you add in those ones that are in contact, that's almost close to 800. That's how great Derrick Henry is. Uh, and he just keeps on doing it night in and night out, puts in the work. That's why he has, you know, the 783 yards, 10 touchdowns already. He's got more touchdowns than Ryan Tannehill on his team and a lot more quarterbacks, more than Mac Jones, uh, what's his name, Carson Wentz, uh, uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, and others. Derrick Henry is the real deal. But who's number one? That's Tom Brady. Again, could be just because he's 44, but also that he's 44. Team has a 5-1 record, and... He's thrown for the most passing yards so far through six games. Uh, 2,000, only one second in touchdowns at 17. Phenomenal. I think he's the highest graded quarterback by pro football focus. Uh, He just looks better than ever, which is hard to say because he's at 44 years old, but he's leading the Bucs team to where they need to be. Uh, He's got everybody in sync. He's the leader as well. He's the best player on the team. He's the best player in football, period, right now. He's poised to take them to a repeat and then to his eighth. That's how good Tom Brady looks right now. Now we're going to move on to the NBA. Talk about last night's games where I was one for one in my predictions. I opened off saying that the Bucks would beat the Nets. I was right. I was right. I said the Bucks would show out, and they did. From a jump, they looked like the better team. Giannis dropping 32 on 12 of 25 shooting. I made a three as well. Chris Middleton added 20. Uh, you know, they had six players in double digits. Pat Connaughton, Pat Connaughton, great game from three. Four of nine. Nawara, three of six. Uh, this team played good. Uh, and the Nets just couldn't stop it. James Harden, you know, pedestrian, 20 points. Patty Mills off the bench had more than him. A perfect seven of seven from three. Kevin Durant had 32, but, you know, got it going to me. Just a little... Uh, a little too late in the game. This was a better team in Milwaukee. They wanted it, and this was a Milwaukee team that I saw, you know, all season long last year, uh, led by Giannis. They outwork you. They outhustle you. They want it more than you. Uh, they do. It seemed on every loose ball, every possession, defense, offense. They were locked in. You know. Had a big lead early. Brooklyn got it close. But Milwaukee never fully let it evaporate. They kept charging. They had a better 
field goal percentage uh, than them. If you can believe it, a better free throw percentage. Uh, KD, 3 of 6 from a line. A team 13 of 23. Uh, the Bucks were 14 of 18. Out-rebounded. Milwaukee out-rebounded them by 10. Uh, playmaking, more assists, less turnovers. Uh, that is just the Milwaukee Bucks routinely. And to me, I think this game was a good wake-up call because it shows that you know these two teams healthy uh, with no Kyrie in, assuming he won't be in for a while. The Bucks are the better team and the legit threat uh, to come out of the East. That's Giannis. That's Giannis and his team. That's his team locked in. And the Nets simply had no answer. Kevin Durant can match Giannis shot for shot, but the help of this team, Milwaukee, will have it. On a ring night where it's emotional, Milwaukee acted like nothing happened. This was just another stop to get another one. Milwaukee was a better team. Warriors and Lakers, I thought this one would be close. Thought the Lakers would eke it out at home, but they did not. The Warriors won this game, and to me it was surprising because they limited Steph Curry. He only had 21 points, 5 of 21 from a field. Nine of his 21 were from the free throw line. So I thought this is a recipe for how you beat Golden State. You hold Steph Curry to 21 points. LeBron and AD both shoot uh, great and go for over 30 points. You'll win this game. You were to tell me that, I'd say Lakers easily win it. However, they did not win it. Uh, The depth of the Warriors showed out those two first-round picks that they had and the depth acquired in the offseason as well. Jordan Poole has proved to be a reliable starter as well. Andrew Wiggins hit some big shots along with Iguodala and Jalika or whatever his name is, Otto Porter, they have depth, which they didn't have last year. Help this team win, uh, even though they shot the same from three and L.A. shot better from a field, they were able to win the game. Uh, I want to use Russell Westbrook as a scapegoat. You know, only eight points. He's got to be better. Four of 13 from a field. Uh not making one three-point shot, you know, he can be a little bit more aggressive, uh, but he just needs to convert on the shots that he takes, the drives that he has. Uh, Other than Anthony Davis and LeBron, nobody got it going. Uh, Carmelo, nice spot off the bench, but you can't put Rondo and Westbrook in at the same time. Bradley, a couple big threes. Uh, Malik Monk down the stretch didn't convert. So Russell Westbrook does has to be uh, better. And another thing that continues to plague the Lakers is free throw shooting. How poor it is. LeBron, uh, three of six on the line. He's not going to escape this as well. Uh, Anthony Davis, even worse, two of seven. Russell Westbrook didn't even get to the line. A man who lives off drawing contact and finishing in the rim didn't even get uh, to the line, you know, the Lakers, you know, shot better field goal percentage than them, you know, tied up a free throw percentage, uh, you know, but they still could not win this game. Limiting Steph, they couldn't do this to me. 
this proves two things, which are scary. Because like, Clay Thompson isn't back, and the Warriors still look good. Steph Curry triple-double. Uh, but to me, you know, the Lakers, uh, defensively as well, they don't have defensive players uh, outside of Anthony Davis. They have Anthony Davis, who to me can be defensive player of the year. LeBron, when locked in, can still defend at his age. But other than that, they don't have much. Uh, Dwight Howard, who they can't play a ton because of his position at center. Avery Bradley a little bit, but they don't have lockdown two-way wing defenders. Uh, they could not stop Golden State last night when they needed to. So that was big. But again, as I'll say before, NBA is back to a full season. This is 82 games. This is game one of 82. There's 81 left to play. I'm not going to take this all out on one game. There's still a lot to play. A lot of chemistry still to mesh with in game time decisions uh, for Russell Russell Westbrook and the Los Angeles Lakers team. But now looking at to tonight, I will make two picks. The first, the Celtics and the Knicks. I believe the Celtics will win this game. I know Kemba Walker over there on the Knicks now. Julius Randle, comeback player of the year. Great year, Evan Fournier. All them, you know, from the Celtics as well. But I don't think uh, they'll win this game. I think Jason Tatum, great year last year. He'll play great as well. Jalen Brown will be in the game. Uh, signed back Al Horford as well. Brad Stevens no longer the coach. B, I think it'll be... A little bit different for both teams, more semblance from the Knicks. But I think the Celtics will win this game at MSG tonight. Then the Nuggets and the Suns. Last year we saw the Suns, you know, wipe the Nuggets off, sweep them in four games. Part of that to me was due injury. Jamal Murray out, and guess what? Jamal Murray still out towards ACL, uh, ACL in March or April of last year or this past year uh, before the playoffs started. So with him being out, this is still overmatched. Nikola Jokic could have a great game, uh, but it's too much for like, Chris Paul, uh, Devin Booker. But I want to see this season from the Suns how they respond. Nobody had them last year going to the finals or getting within two games of actually winning it. Nobody did. How do they repeat that success, you know, the eye is going to be on, you know, Devin Booker, Chris Paul to see if they can repeat, get back uh, to it, or at least be as good. You know, they only had 20 losses last year. Can the Suns replicate that? That's going to be their biggest question moving forward. And more drama with Ben Simmons. Suspended him for tonight's game. Joel Embiid, you know, saying we're not here to babysit. You know, doesn't want him on my team. Doc Rivers saying... This drama is no fun that, you know, the way it's happened, uh, not getting paid to me. This is getting out of hand. I agree with everything Doc Rivers uh, and Joel Embiid have said. Joel Embiid, it's true to say that, you know, him not showing up is disrespectful uh, to the team. You know, but the team also knows that Ben Simmons doesn't want to be there. Uh of course, it's not advantageous the way it's going about now. You know, with him not there, I think, you know, they're better with him on the floor 
than him off the floor because the way he impacts the game defensively and the way he sees the court and things transpire. But this is an issue you're going, I believe, to have to fix sooner than later for the chemistry of the team. I don't know if he'll be able to hold out uh, till the trade deadline or you know even till you know the movement line of December fifteenth or anything like that. So this is not a fun situation for Doc Rivers and the Philadelphia 76ers. Now I'm moving on to the MLB. And what were two crazy, shocking comebacks last night? Why? Well, the first one was the Braves. The Braves score, you know, four runs in the fourth inning to make it four to two. They had one in the fifth, fifth to two, five to two. And, you know, we're cruising, we're getting to the eighth inning, and I'm thinking Braves are going to do this. Nope, they weren't. All of a sudden, uh, Jackson, the pitcher, only survives. One-third of an inning can only muster one out as he lets four hits, four earned runs, a Bellinger homer, a Betts double. I mean, just terrible that you give up this game, which you had control. I'll partially blame that to Chuck's Charles Barkley guarantee, saying the Braves are going to win, they're going to sweep, all that, now picking them to win. That was a huge game. You know, they were up 2-0. You take 3-0. It's a, it's a death sentence. Like any other sport, you go up 3-0. Very unlikely that they come back. But now this year has the eerie, similar feeling of last year where the Braves are up 2-0 on the Dodgers. Now they lose this one. Now they're up against the wall somehow down 2-1. Same with the Astros for Red Sox. Another big game. Looks like the Red Sox are going to take a 3-1 stranglehold on the series. We're up 2-1 going into the 8th inning. It's 2-2. Now going into the ninth inning. You know, you could still win a walk-off if you get the people out. But instead, a strike that wasn't called. It was in the zone. Should have been a strike. But it wasn't. Then it allowed the Astros to explode for 7 runs. In the top of a ninth. Uh, I felt for Eovaldi. uh, Because that should have been a strike called. uh, But it wasn't. And that kind of killed it. Alex Cora thought it killed it too. And you know. What a game. What you know. One call does or doesn't do to you. And you lose that. Gave Houston the life to go into this series. Now we're at a game 5-2-2. And a game 4-2-1. One thing I don't like about baseball is that it's kind of nice to be not be have a team with the best record because you get games three, four, and five at home. You get three straight home games to kind of seize momentum, whereas the other sports, it's two home, two away, one home, one away, one home, instead of a two, three, two model because you steal one at home, you could be over in five. I'm still going to pick the Astros to win tonight, even though it's in Boston. Boston has been playing inspiring. Chris Sale is pitching tonight. Uh, but I just think the collapse of last night will have an effect. They've been hitting well. Uh, they've been stopping the Astros, too. They've looked like the better team. But I've picked the Astros to go this far, and I can't stop now. Braves and Dodgers. 
you know, Julio Urias pitched the other night. Uh, I think his confidence is shaken considering, you know, the hits that he let in that game uh, playing the Braves now. But I pick the Dodgers to win this series. I'm still picking the Dodgers to win this game to get back in 2-2. I just don't know if it's the Braves' time or if the Braves have all the luck on their side to be a team as talented as the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now moving on to the NHL. I'll be making a few game picks here. The first, the Bruins in the Flyers. I'm picking the Bruins to win this game. Somehow we're a week into the NHL season and they've only played one game so far. And the Flyers have only played two a week into this season. But I think the Boston Bruins will win this game. Uh, they've played good. Uh, Brad Marchand, the addition of Nick Felino as well, uh, I think will beat Carter Hart, who has had it up and down two games so far. Blues and Golden Knights. I think the Golden Knights uh, will win this game. Yes, Patch already injured, Stone injured uh, a little bit, but they're too much more talented than the Blues. Now, what are my thoughts on the Seattle Kraken a weekend? Well, to me, they're about where I thought. I thought they were not very good. Basically, an AHL team lining up there with professionals. And five games in so far, they have played the most games in the NHL. And they are 1-3-1 for a total of three points. You know, and to me, you know, not a lot of close games Either the Golden Knights, you know, one was good, but they never, to me, seized control. Uh, the Blue Jackets, same, and they got demolished by the Flyers, and to me, never were in uh, good shape against the Devils last night. So, so far, they haven't been good. The other shocking thing to me, the Chicago Blackhawks are the worst team in the West. 0-3-1, oh, and one, one point. I thought they'd be better to start this season. Maybe it was just a mirage of last year and things piecing together this year. Also, the Islanders, the worst team. I like how my teams, of course, my team, the Pittsburgh Penguins, have played one extra game, which means one more point for them. But that's the way. No losses so far. 2-0-2. I'd rather lose in overtime than lose the game outright, uh, which I guess it's, you know, you could say I'm 1-1 because the Penguins-Panthers... Penguins are up 4-2. to two. They let them come back and they lose in overtime. That's a game you wish you won. But a game like last night where the Stars have a lead on you the whole game and you tie it up 1-1 and then lose in a shootout, uh, that's one you can live with. So that's it, folks. That's it for Get Your Goat. Again, Broncos-Browns Thursday night tomorrow with all of those Browns players going out. Are you rolling with the Browns or are you picking the Broncos? Talk to you guys soon. Bye, everybody.